Hey, happy Halloween. Welcome to the Husker Cuzcast Sports Show, the official podcast of HuskerHype.com. This is Justin, along with my cousins Derek and Tyler. So we're coming off a late comeback upset of the mighty Purdue Boilermakers, where Nebraska was down 24-12 to in the fourth quarter before Tanner Lee sealed, sealed the deal with 14 seconds left. So we win 25-24. to Derek, what did you think of this game here? Do you want me to go into the good, the bad, or the ugly? <laughs> we have time for all. Because <laughs> there was all. I'll start with the ugly, and the ugly obviously goes to the running game. Anytime you run the ball 27 times for 40 yards for an average of one and a half yards per carry, pretty ugly. We're going to have to figure something out with running, guys. That was an epic fail, that game. Uh, Another ugly was tackling again. Mm -hmm. Richie Worship, just we could not get that guy down. We'd hit him at the line of scrimmage, and he'd fall forward for five yards. He was a a pretty big dude, but come on. we got to learn how to tackle a little bit better. Uh, Nine penalties for 95 yards killed us in that game. Tanner Lee being sacked three times probably wasn't a good thing. Uh, Overall, Tanner Lee had a great game, though. 64% of his passes. And for the first time since Riley's been here, we finally won a game with throwing the ball over 40 times. We went straight to 50. (laughs) We went straight to 50. So maybe that's the key. Either throw less than 40 or more than or at least 50. And then we can win games, maybe. Maybe that's what the key is. I don't know. Just stay out of the 40s. Yeah. Uh, look, it was a win. I, I guess it's hard, a little hard to complain too much about it, but they, they just, even coming out of the tunnel, they looked like they weren't into the game. I, I wasn't overly impressed with the win, but I can't take anything away from it, I guess. Well, I'm surprised you didn't say anything about how boring this game was, actually. <laughs> that game was boring for three quarters. It was. I don't know what right. you think. Yeah, you know, I, I was talking to one of my coworkers the other day, and he doesn't really follow Nebraska football. And I was kind of down in the dumps. I was like, God, we didn't really play a good game. He's like, Oh, did you lose? I'm like, No, we won. He's like, Oh, was it at home? I'm like, No, it was on the road. He's like, Wait, you're complaining about winning a conference road game? And and it kind of makes sense. I mean, it wasn't a pretty game. No, it, it really wasn't. Derek, you hit on the uglies. That running attack. I don't know what the hell has happened to our running game over the last two games. Uh, it's been non-existent. In fact, our running game hasn't been really great since Trey Bryant went down. Uh, we've only averaged 3.35 yards uh, since Trey Bryant has been out. Um, the running game has not been well in the last two games, uh, Captify it. But, but I'm going to be positive here because we did go on the road and win. Tanner Lee played like the guy that we were told he was going to be going into the year. This was easily his best performance as a Husker. Um, I don't think our offensive line played well. Our backs didn't play particularly well, even though Jalen Bradley uh, definitely came in and put up Friday to spark. Our defense wasn't great, but Tanner Lee was really great. Um, he came through in the clutch, which he hasn't done all year. And in the second half, he threw for 288 yards and completed 70% of his passes and obviously had the two big fourth-quarter touchdown passes. Uh, the guy played some great football down the stretch and finally is starting to show like he was the quarterback we were promised. Yeah, he definitely gets the game ball there. Derek? Uh, you know, another uh, – you can call it good, you can call it bad. I don't, it kind of goes under both sides of it for me. Drew Brown hit four field goals, which was good. 
the bad was we got in the red zone four times and had to kick four field goals. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, and, and that, a lot of that has comes down back down to not being able to run the ball. When we get in that short side of the field, you got to be able to run the ball at least a little bit. We just completely could not do it. But you know, Jalen Bradley kind of gave us a spark there in the fourth quarter when he came in. I mean, he he looked good running the ball. He looked good catching the ball out of the backfield. He get, he provided a spark that is Zigbo and Wilbon. For some reason, they weren't able to generate. Tanner. Yeah, Justin, you're right. And, and what I saw in is Jalen Bradley, he won the play. The guy, he came out. He's athletic. He's a little bit different. He came out there and won the play. But before I completely crushed the offensive line, we got beat to hell against the offensive line. Uh, we had two guys go down in that game, and we – we weren't running the ball well before that. We never saw anything after that. True. Derek? Well, you bring up Wilbon, and I think what you also have to understand is he had one carry for three yards. Yeah, so you have, to, you have to wonder if maybe he's still injured, and maybe that's why he's not playing so much. Or maybe Jalen Bradley's just better. I, I don't know what the case is. But one carry for three yards, I, you can't really judge too much on what Wilbon did in that game. Uh, you know, but but I, I will say this is a game that both teams will chalk up to miss opportunities. Purdue dropped a lot of passes that could have been <laughs> long. I mean, we think we have bad drops. My God, Purdue does. But Derek, you mentioned it. We were inside the red zone four times for field goals. Not only that, we were inside the 10-yard line twice and had to kick field goals. I mean, this is a game that we could have lost by three touchdowns the way it was playing, or we could have won by 40 points. I mean, this was a game that both teams left, a lot of plays left on the field. Yeah, with those drops, if uh, if you were playing a drinking game at home that you had to drink every time there was a drop, we may not have even remembered the comeback <laughs> win, you know? It was, it was that bad. Uh, well, look, if you, if you look at the stats, it looks like we should have destroyed these guys. With 431 yards passing. I mean, I know we didn't run the ball well, but 431 yards passing. We had the ball for 35 minutes to their 25. I mean, it looks like we should have destroyed these guys, and it took a last-second touchdown to beat them. Well, yeah, I mean, even further, I mean, you know, the way that we were down, it took the entire fourth quarter just to show that we wanted to play because right there – it was getting so bad, and we're going to get into this here in a little bit about how bad it looked and how that reflected on Mike Riley. But uh, just moving on here, you know. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Tyler. I, I, I want to give Derek props. He, he's brought this up before to us. Um, you know, the Huskers, going back to the days of Bo Pelini, we haven't looked good coming out of bye weeks. And uh, a lot of credit because this was another week that you would think that Riley would have had two weeks to get this team to come out. And it said. You know, they came out flat. They sure did. They sure did. And you know what? Maybe that's what Vegas was on to. They, they knew what the history was with Nebraska for Purdue to be six-and-a-half-point favorites, you know, opening up. That was, that's nuts. Uh, but, hey, guys, we got some big news, sad news, I guess, in Husker Nation. Uh, our big guy, Bookie. He decommitted today, and, uh, you know, I got to give him props. He had a classy letter on Twitter that he posted. Uh, I'm sure everyone's seen it by now, but you know what? It's understandable. Uh, So, Tyler, what do you think? I mean, is this the first of many decommits coming? Well, first I'll say I hope 
I hope everyone that bought a uh, you know make uh, Nebraska great again T-shirt can get a refund because uh, those bookie T-shirts are going to be collectors' items really quickly. Uh, maybe maybe you can scratch it out and put uh, a different team on there short shortly. But yeah, I you know it's tough to say with these commits. I mean, you know. I, there's two pieces of the, the product on the field. I think is definitely a part of it, but I think the biggest factor is the uncertainty with the coaches. Um, you know, with Mike Riley's job up in the air and it's so clear across the country, it is, I mean, these kids are committing mainly because of Mike Riley and his staff. And, you know, and you could talk about Nebraska as a program, but this, these weren't kids that were looking at Nebraska four years ago. They started to look at Nebraska when Mike Riley took over. So, you, you know, you look at the fans and the boosters running Riley out of town halfway through the season. You know, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, God forbid, you know, everything happens and we end up turning around and we've already done the damage with this recruiting class. Yeah. Derek? Well, I guess the biggest thing you can hope for is if they do fire Mike Riley, if then maybe, you know, the next coach can kind of keep this class together to an extent. I mean, Right now, I, I'm not trying to judge Bill Moose yet, but he's do, kind of doing Riley a disservice by not giving any indication of whether he's wanting to keep him or get rid of him. Because it is hurting the recruiting class because there's too much unknown. I wouldn't want well, to commit I wouldn't want to commit to a coaching staff I didn't think was going to be there next year. No. So, so let's put it this way. You know, we, we all watched the game. We had emotions going through, you know. And just like in Husker Nation, you know, for uh, emotions were running high and they were running hot there, especially for the first three quarters of the game. Uh, tempers were flaring against Mike Riley. I want to ask you guys this. Uh, is keeping Mike Riley, is that truly in the best interest of the program? Tyler, what do you think? You know, I, I, I've been saying this whole season, it's got to finish the product. But the little backstory of where Mike Riley has gotten to – you know, if you look at Coach and Mike Schaefer tweeted this out earlier this week about there were seven Power Five coaches that got hired the same year as Mike Riley. There are zero conference championships. Since Mike Riley has come to Nebraska, uh, he has had the toughest schedule of any of his two predecessors. Um, I, I, I was going to write down the source, but I did it. But he has played 79% of opponents above average. In comparison, Callahan was at 71, Pelini was at 63. He's had the toughest schedule since he's been in Nebraska. And this year is the toughest schedule Nebraska has had since 1981. Has the results been there? No. Are we an average team in that or standards? No. But he was in the middle of his second full recruiting class, three games into the year when the disaster of Northern Illinois happened. And since then, the fans have wanted him gone. You know, is Mike Riley in the best interest of this program? I don't know. Uh, I really don't know, but he hasn't even been, get, been truly given a chance to complete his story. Halfway through the season, people want him gone. Yeah. Derek? To be fair, I've wanted him gone for three years. <laughs> Shocked. Shocked. But you're not alone, Shocked Derek. Derek you're, Derek, you're not alone. And that that's the thing is a lot of fans out there have never liked this hire. And you know, shy of him winning a national championship or at least a conference title, I don't know if people were going to come around to him. So, Derek, let me phrase the question to you. Why is it in Nebraska's best interest to part ways with Mike Riley? Because he was never a good hire to begin with, and he was a fi- he was basically around a 500 coach all through college. 
and you could talk about it being at Oregon State, but he had how many recruiting classes there to make it better, and he just had some really good years there, had some really piss-poor years. And right now we're going through piss-poor years with him, and even if he has a good year, I'm not so sure when I can go through some more piss-poor years again after that. Well, uh, okay, I understand that. Tyler, do you think uh, that we're headed in the right direction, though? I mean, do you see any improvement with this team? Well, last week I said we were going to go four and one down the stretch, and and I, I the jury's still out on that. But but you look at this year, and you say going into the season, what a lot of people's expectations were, and you know most fans would have said eight or nine wins, and the losses, three of them would have been three of the losses we've had. So you you look where the program's going, and this is about where a lot of us thought we were going to be this year. Maybe not as bad of losses, but this is where it is. I think we have a lot coming back next year. I think this is the first year Mike Riley's really been able to implement his offense. Bob Diaco just came in, is just implementing his defense. I think we have a lot of the key players coming back next year, and next year could be a good year for us. In his fourth year, his recruiting class was looking good until the, his you know his job security got torpedoed. I, I just it's just I feel like he wasn't even given an opportunity to truly succeed. I see. I I, I kind of disagree. I mean, we're almost through. We're two thirds of the way through with this third season, and there's zero imp- improvement. That game against Purdue—that's not a very good Purdue team. I don't care if they were favored over Nebraska; they were not that great of a team. And for us to play like we we didn't deserve there. I mean, fortunately, we we did get the win, but that game could have turned out so much different. And then you know. How would that have changed your thoughts if in this, you know, this final 80 seconds or whatever, we didn't pull it out? I mean, what, well, what are your thoughts? We, we got lucky in the final 80 seconds. But True. if you're going to say we got, if you're going to say we got lucky, then you got to go say the Northern Illinois game and the Oregon game got unlucky. I mean, you, you can't play it both ways. He's being held guilty because he has four losses this year. And two of those losses were in the same situation. We just didn't pull it out. Now, I, I believe at the end of the day, you were judged on wins and losses in what you do on the field. Mike Riley hasn't achieved a lot on the field, but he's in his third year, and the year's not over yet. I, I will disagree with you in the fact that I don't think we've passed the eye test yet. We, you can't not look at this team and think that this is a good football team. I've heard people say that this is probably the worst team that they've seen in the last 40, 50 years watching Nebraska. Is that? I mean, I've heard people say that, Derek. I, I, I would agree, with the exception of maybe some of Callahan's teams, and I, and right now I would almost lean towards this maybe a worse team than there than even that those those years. Uh, you know, you you bring up everybody being in, people being in their third year, and look at Jim McElwain. Now you can say what you want, but the guy won two SEC East Division titles, and he still lost his job halfway through the season because they're terrible this year. I mean, there, there might be some other things, I mean, besides just the wins losses, but you have to, you have to think that if he was seven and or eight and right now, he'd still have a job. Yeah, that's, that's true. Uh, I, I think one of the other things that makes this so difficult is I think Mike Riley is a really likable guy. I like, the, I like him as hell. I mean, he's, he's a great guy. He's easy to root for, you know, any criticism that comes about him, 
comes of them is because of we're just not playing very well. But I don't hear any of the the personal attacks as much, I guess, as what we heard about Bo Pelini. And Bo Pelini, you know, he kind of had that – he built that reputation himself of being abrasive. And so there's a lot of hatred towards him. But I think – I really think that Nebraska fans want to see Mike Riley succeed. They just they're losing faith. Tyler, you disagree? I, I I think there are some Nebraska fans that want to see Mike Riley succeed. I think there are some that want to be proven right. This was never a good hire. I think there are some that are still bitter that we got rid of Bo Pelini. I, I think the thing about Mike Riley that I like about him is of the last three head coaches, he's the one guy I truly believe wants to be at Nebraska. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think I think he really, you know, he embraces the tradition. Um, Pliny did to a degree, but really just didn't love it there. Um, Callahan definitely didn't embrace anything, but uh, you know, I, I think that that does make it tough. Is I think he wants to be there. I think the thing that you're missing, Justin, the biggest thing working against Mike Riley right now is we have the prodigal son out at Central Florida right now, and he is killing it. And he may be the hottest coaching candidate out there. And in my life, I never thought Nebraska would have the chance to get the hottest coaching candidate on the market. Yeah. And we do this year. So the thing working against Mike Riley is his competition for his job is the return of the prodigal son. I mean, that's what's working mostly against Mike Riley, in my opinion. Is he a bigger star than Tom Herman a couple years ago? He could be. He very well could be. I mean... Right now, I would say probably not, but he's definitely leaning that. He's starting to lean that way. If he ends up, if he goes undefeated, if he ends up finishes this year undefeated, he will be hotter than Herman. Yes, I think he's got a good shot at it too. I mean, especially with South Florida just losing last week, and that's probably the toughest game they have left on their schedule. Yeah, that's that'll be interesting to see how that plays out, but. We're going to have lots of time to talk about this because this issue is not going to go away anytime soon. Uh, so, Northwestern, they're coming to town. They're sitting at 5-3. and three. They got back-to-back overtime wins over Iowa and Michigan State. Uh, you know, that, that line has been going a little bit back and forth. You know, Northwestern opens up as one-point favorites. It shifts to Nebraska. Now it's back to Northwestern. I don't know what's going on here, uh, but... What are your thoughts on uh, Northwestern, Tyler? You know, Northwestern is a uh, is a definitely a, a tough team to really gauge. I mean, you know, Justin Jackson is a star running back. Um, you know, but their rushing production has not been there this year. Um, you know, they, they are 102nd in the country in total rushing offense. Their defense uh, is definitely. Uh, you know they they've shown some things. Uh, you know that you look at the um, the last this season they have not given up a hundred yard rusher this season. Uh, that's an impressive stat, and we've obviously struggled running the ball. But their defense, pass defense, is a hundred and nineteenth pass defense in the country. Uh, I mean they're, they're definitely not stopping the ball there. It's hard to get a mixed bag, but what I will say about Northwestern is I feel they are peaking at the right time. I mean, they beat Iowa, who's probably an average Big Ten team. They beat Michigan State, who's one of the better Big Ten teams this season. I really believe they are uh, they are definitely peaking at the right time coming into Lincoln. And it scares me, that game. And a game that I didn't think three weeks ago that I had anything really to worry about. 
Well, they're, but those overtime, I mean, that's that's got to be hell on the team, right? You know, going overtime against Iowa, triple overtime against Michigan State, that's got to weigh on the team somehow, right? Gives them a lot Darn. of motivation. I mean, yeah. Let, here's, here's one of the few stats that really kind of scare me. It's not even really their offense. It's their defense. You know, they're averaging 7.3 tackles for loss per game. Nebraska, 3.8. And a lot of that's coming down to tackling. I mean, we're, we might hit them behind the line of scrimmage, but we can't bring them down. Well, they're getting them down. Uh, another one is red zone offense. They're averaging 93.8% on red zone offense. So they're scoring 93% of the time. Nebraska's only scoring 77% of the time. Uh, so if they get in the red zone, they're going to be tough to stop. And they, if they, uh, they grow their, I, I, I see, I kind of see Justin Jackson possibly having a breakout game against our defense. I could be wrong, but. He is a good, damn good back, as Tyler mentioned earlier, and our well, defense just doesn't seem to be able to tackle people very well. So I don't, I don't know how how you bet against Justin Jackson in this matchup. We do have a tendency to add to a player's highlight uh, Heisman highlight reel, you know. <laughs> we just we have that tendency, and that hasn't gone away. Uh, yeah, this this Northwestern. Yeah, I agree with you, Tyler. Peaking at the right time, that's probably a good way to put it. They're, they're playing a lot better football than us. We're not playing very good football. so They're, they're playing Northwestern football. Every yeah. year they're terrible in the first four or five games, and then they pick it up and start winning all their games from there on. It just it, it seems like that every year with these guys. They lose some garbage team in the non-conference, so everybody thinks they're just crap, and then they come out and play in Big Ten like they own the place. Well, another thing that's going to hurt Nebraska is injuries. Tanner, what can you tell us about the injuries? You know, I talked about the offensive line injuries, uh, you know, earlier in the game. Uh, Michael Deckers looks to be out for the season, maybe a chance to come back for the bull. Tanner Farmer looks, he's out indefinitely. So we're going to be starting two freshmen on the right side of the offensive line, uh, true freshmen, and then uh, redshirt freshman and Matt Farniak, uh, uh, Cole Conrad will take over center, and I did not like the way the line looked with him. Uh, you also have Luke Gifford, who Aaron Williams, and Antonio Reed all questionable. Uh, Bradley, who had a great fourth quarter last week, is also questionable with an ankle injury, and he sat out of practice today along with Aaron Williams. And Eric Lee is in concussion pre- protocol right now. That speaking, is a lot of, of bodies. Sir. Speaking of questionable. I'm starting to wonder if our strength and conditioning is questionable. <laughs> Good lord, we had we had a guy hurt on every single play. It seemed like in Purdue. Well, they're getting hurt tackling. <laughs> <laughs> you don't see that too often. Getting hurt tackling. Come well, on, so man. so Purdue is the the Huskers killer. Uh, I was reading like a couple years ago. We had we played Purdue. Spencer Long went down for the season. A couple years, you know, Amir Abdullah got injured against Purdue. Purdue just seems to bang us up every time we play them. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't know. It, it, it's definitely scary. I mean, we, 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 our depth is better at offensive line than it was a year ago. But it's filled with freshmen at this point. We're still a year away from really good depth at that offensive line. Um, and linebackers, I mean, we're in a position 
that our backup linebacker is a walk-on. I mean, we're, we're, we could have two walk-ons starting at linebacker. And granted, Chris Weber does not play like a walk-on. That guy is a legit player. I think he has an NFL future in front of him. But, uh, no, I, I, I definitely think some injuries could be a factor this game. Yeah, that, that may be why the line shifted because uh, Nebraska, they were two-point favorites there for a little bit. And then today, Northwestern, now one-point favorites. So I think that's directing that line. Go ahead, Tyler. And and you, and I talk about my you know my schizophrenic back and forth nature on this game just like Vegas. I mean, part of it is because you look at the season as a whole. Northwestern has the same turnover margin as the Huskers. Uh, I mean, and we think we are terrible in the turnover department. Um, and and granted, Tanner Lee has definitely been playing a better ball. I mean, it's just it's really up in the air what these teams are. I don't think a lot of people know. I mean. Again, three weeks ago, Northwestern was like a bye week to me. And now I think this is our second toughest game left on the seat schedule. Yeah, that yeah, that could be it, I suppose. Dirk, you have anything to add on injuries? No, let's get on with it. All right. Well Hey, let, let let's skip the salad and get in the meat of this shit. <laughs> all right. I thought we already did, but that's all right. Let's uh <laughs> The uh, initial college football playoff poll was released tonight. Uh, so we got uh, Georgia at number one, Alabama number two, Notre Dame at three, Clemson at four, and Oklahoma and Ohio State at five and six, respectively. What are your guys' thoughts on this initial poll, Derek? Georgia being number one was the biggest surprise to me. I, 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 I kind of agree with it. But I didn't think the committee would actually do it, I guess. It's just hard to believe that anybody would put Bama at number two. You know, lo and behold, Bama's always number one. I I was kind of proud of the committee for going out of the box and going, hey, Georgia looks like a better team right now. And they, I think they do. Bama well, really the media hasn't tells played you. But Bama hasn't really played anybody. I mean, they played Florida yeah. State. But look what Florida State's doing this year. I mean, yeah. We all thought they could be a possible playoff contender, and now they have what five losses. Yeah, uh, it's. I, I the other surprise to me was kind of Wisconsin, I, and I get they they're kind of in the same boat as Bama, where their strength of schedule just really isn't very good. But to be clear down at number nine and at beating the way beating people the way they have, I mean I know they struggled against Purdue a little bit, but I think overall they've really looked pretty good this year. Yeah. So it kind of surprised me to see them as low as they were. But Tyler, what did you think? Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, you know, I, the biggest thing to me was Wisconsin being as low as they are. I, I I get their strength of schedule isn't very impressive right now, but they've played damn good football, and I don't think they're getting the respect they deserve. Um, but if you look at the, the thing as a whole, I, I think the, play, the this is one of the better rankings where they're I, I look at the top 10 with the exception of Wisconsin or even top 15. I, I think they got it right. I think the committee is right there. Um, the, the one that's a little bit further down is I don't get why USC is ranked as high as they are. Um, I mean, they're ahead of Central Florida. I don't think USC has been a good ball club at all this year. I think they should be 23rd, 24th. I just don't I don't get the Trojans being what seventeenth in the poll, so 
Yeah. You know, I, I agree with you, Tanner, as far as uh, I think they got it right on. Fortunately, it doesn't really matter because this is going to change so many times between now and the final poll. But as far as Wisconsin, I'm okay with where they are, truthfully. I mean, I don't know. What team would you put them ahead of at this point? I, I'd, put them, I'd put them ahead of maybe Penn State. Maybe um, Penn State, really? Yeah, I, I think – I mean, they're undefeated. They really haven't had a close game. I mean, they've been relatively dominant in every game they've played. Um, I, I think you could argue that they should be right there behind Ohio State, maybe even ahead of Ohio State. I mean, they, I think they, they should be borderline maybe a top-five team right now. Borderline, yeah. I, you know, I, think, I, think, I think Clemson is completely overranked in this. Losing to Syracuse, there's no excuse for that to me. I, and I, to be in the top four, I I would put Wisconsin ahead of Clemson. I don't know if I would have a Wisconsin at number four, but I probably would have Clemson at like probably eight or nine myself. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that you could – I don't know. Maybe that's the spot. Maybe I do have Wisconsin. I, I just – I think Clemson's kind of unique. They, they played some good teams. Uh, they, they beat Auburn at home. They, you know, they, they, they've had some impressive wins in the uh, – ACC, I, I think they're about right. I just think, you know, what I really like is the fact that they had Oklahoma ahead of Ohio State. Yeah. That I think, I think there are people that are discounting and already have forgotten about how Oklahoma beat up on Ohio State. I, I think the on-the-field results have to matter. And if you beat a team head-to-head, especially on the road, you've got to be raked above them if your schedule's the same. You right. have to be. And, you know, Ohio State, yeah, they're playing some great ball, but they haven't played anybody. I mean, I've, Oklahoma's played a hell of a lot better schedule than they have so okay, far. Penn State? Penn State? Ohio State hasn't played anyone? They lost. Oh, okay. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. But, yeah, <laughs> they, they I'm sorry. Yeah, they, they won. <laughs> but outside of that, I mean, they haven't, they haven't played anybody. I mean, I mean, you're right. They, they've definitely gotten – they still have Michigan State ahead of them. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that kind of goes with the strength of the Big Ten. I mean, the Big Ten is a weak conference. Um, I mean, it, it, it's evident about where these teams are ranked. I mean, we have three top ten teams and then Michigan State, and that's it. Actually, is it even Michigan State? Did they even rank? I don't – I believe or, they were 24th, I think. Yeah, yeah I mean, so – 24th or something, yeah. So yeah, I mean, yeah. Ult- ultimately, I-, I think for the first poll, they've got it correctly. Yeah. Who cares about Michigan State? They're not going to be there at the end, so that's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, let's get into our games of the week. Derek, give us uh, an update on where we stand now. I finally let you guys try to catch up a little bit here. I went three and three. I'm sitting at thirty-one and eighteen. Tyler went four and two, is sitting at thirty and nineteen, just one game behind me. Justin went five and one, and actually kind of made a little tight race again. He's sitting at twenty nine and twenty. Bam, loving it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna catch up again. I'm gonna lop you guys here. All right, first game: Virginia Tech minus three at Miami. Derek. Well, last week I talked about Miami being in my top four. And I'm going against that already because I think Virginia Tech's probably – their defense is just too good. God dang it. 
<laughs> and Miami just really is struggling offensively. I after I, that North Carolina game totally changed my perspective on uh, Miami. I think Virginia Tech wins. Tatter. Uh, so the North Carolina game did put a little bit of fear in me, but I will say this is that, you know, Miami's defense caused four turnovers last week against UNC. Their offense isn't good right now, but I think Miami has just enough to get the win against Virginia Tech. I'm taking Virginia Tech here. I think they've been playing a lot better ball. They're playing a little bit more consistent than Miami, in my opinion. All right, next game, Stanford at Washington State. Surprisingly, Washington State's two-and-a-half-point favorites here. Derek. Stanford's defense is not your typical standard Stanford defense. I mean, they just have not looked very good this year. Uh, They're giving up over 400 yards per game. And with uh, Washington State's air raid, I think they're going to probably score some points on Stanford and end up coming away with a victory on this one. Tyler. The key to this game is Bryce Love. Um, it's a game-time decision for him. He was out last week against Oregon State. This guy is one of the best backs in the country. He has over 779 yards and over seven yards of carry. Uh, and Mike Leach called him out saying he's not even the best back in the Pac-12 this week. I think that that's a little bit of fuel to the fire. He finds a way to play, and Stanford wins this game. Mike Leach talking shit? I didn't know he did that. I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm pure shocked that Mike Leach would do that. Yeah, you're right. Bryce Love, he is, he is amazing. The only reason I'm taking Washington State in this is because of the uncertainty at Bryce Love. Look, we saw what Stanford did with against Oregon State without him. They are not the same team. So uh, I got Washington State here. All right, here we go. Here's the uh, giant slayers of Iowa State at West Virginia. West Virginia is two-and-a-half-point favorites. Derek. I wanted to pick West Virginia in this game so bad. They're getting 515 yards per game, 43 points per game. But Iowa State's defense is just really, really good right now. Yeah, they're they're only giving up 18, almost 19 points per game, and they held TCU, who might be one of the best offenses in the Big 12, to only seven points. I don't see why they can't do it against West Virginia. I, I got to stick with the Cyclones on this one. Tyler? Again, we, we briefly talked about him last week. Matt Campbell. Uh, that guy has a buyout clause like none other, so he may not be affordable to any team this year from Iowa State. But if we don't get rid of Riley and next year we do, that's a guy we might want to look at for head coach because that guy is coaching a good team in Iowa State. Uh, they crippled Kenny Hill last week from TCU, a team that I had in the college football playoff. They held him to 12 of 25 passing for 135 yards and two interceptions. They made him look terrible. I think Iowa State, I think this is a really close game. I think West Virginia keeps it tight, but I I think Iowa State pulls it out. I'm with you. I'm with you. I I like Iowa State as well. I just, I mean, knocking off two top five. No love for West Virginia at all. I know. No, you know, I I think (laughs) West Virginia is a good team. I think they are a good team, but. Got to go with uh, Matt Campbell. He's got those guys primed. All right, here we go. Bedlam, Oklahoma at Oklahoma State. Derek, who do you have? This game should be at the end of the season, not in the middle of it. First off. Second off, 
Oklahoma is 4-1 and one against Oklahoma State the last five years. Their only loss was in overtime in 2014 to then unranked Oklahoma State. They've played Oklahoma State two times when they were a top-10 team. They were ranked 6th and ninth, And one other year they were 22nd, and they beat them in all those years. So I'm going with Oklahoma with history on their side. <laughs> nice. All right, Tyler. You're going to see two of the best quarterbacks in college football play on that game. Uh, Baker Mayfield is second in the country in passing efficiency. Rudolph is fourth in the country in passing efficiency, and he's first in yards. Both are top ten in touchdowns. They are two of the best quarterbacks. But I will tell you, last week I had Oklahoma State losing against West Virginia, and they really pretty much dominated the game in Morgantown. I think Oklahoma State is playing out of this world right now. I think they win, and I don't even think it's that close of a game. I think Oklahoma State kind of takes Oklahoma behind the woodshed a little bit. Wow, that'd be interesting to see. I like Oklahoma State as well in this game, but I think it's going to be close. This this game is always, you know, it's it's going to be a hard-fought battle. All right, here we go. Penn State, eight-and-a-half-point favorites over Michigan State. Derek? We've kind of talked about these two teams a little bit already today. Penn State has got to be pissed about blowing a bleed that they blew against uh, Ohio State. Michigan State's coming off a th- three overtime loss to to Northwestern. I, Penn State's still the hotter team to me. I, I got to go with Penn State. Tanner, you know, initial review, I had Penn State rolling this team, but you know, looking at this a little bit more, you know, you threw out that Northwestern game, and I think that's a lot more to do with Northwestern than Michigan State, uh, where Northwestern is playing right now. Michigan State's been playing good ball this year. I think this game is close, but at the end of the day, Penn State's got more talented. They're a better team. They pull out the victory. I think that's going to be one of the better games this weekend. I like Penn State. I think uh, they cover as well. Uh, All right, Northwestern minus one at Nebraska, game of the week. And here's a little side note. Be sure to check all the the staff's predictions at HuskerHype.com. We'll have those posted later this week. All right, Derek. Give us your score prediction. Unless Nebraska can figure out a way to run the ball, I'm going to have to go against them again this week. 30-24 Northwestern. All right, Tyler. Well, a little insight to my brain. I don't even know if I fully knew how I was going to pick this game until about an hour ago. I I went back and forth on this game. Uh, You know, the running the ball thing. The only team that Wisconsin has given up a hundred yard rusher to is to Nebraska this season. Uh, Nebraska has found ways to run the ball before, but I just think the negativity surrounding this program and the way Northwestern's plan, I just think that we just don't find a way to win. I got Northwestern to win 31 to 27. Wow. All right. I'm the only one taking Nebraska this week. It looks like, I'm going to say that I think there's something to build off of in this Purdue game. I want to believe that you know the, the team never quit on their coach. They found a way to win, even though it was against a garbage team. I just think at home in Lincoln, I think uh, Nebraska, I think Nebraska pulls it out 23-20. Derek, let's not forget this will be the fourth meeting in Lincoln between these the Battle of the NUs. And 
Northwestern is 2-1 and one in Lincoln, and our only win is on a Hail Mary pass. For whatever reason, I don't know why, Northwestern plays good in Lincoln. Well, that that's true. That's true. There's no uh, uh, Kellogg there to save us. But uh, I think Tanner Lee, there's – come on, man. Come on, guys. He's playing some great football over the last four games, right? He keeps he keeps stepping it up, stepping it up. We're going to get there. We're going to do this, Tyler. Yeah, I, and final word on Tanner Lee. You know, you're right. He is playing good, and he's playing against a bad passing defense. We, he has had 332 yards averaging the last four games and only one interception. The guy is playing great football. I just, there's just a lot of question marks with the Oscars. And I just, I think Northwestern is, Derek said it really well earlier. They're doing what Northwestern does. They're playing better football as the season goes on. And I just, I just don't see, I think Memorial Stadium is going to be a dead house this weekend. I don't see fans being loud. I just think that it's just there's too much negativity around the program. I think for us to quite get the victory. Well, that's going to be on the team, though, also. They can't be playing some boring-ass football like what we saw against Purdue. I mean, that was that was bad. I'm watching the game, and I started to get a little bit comfortable on the couch. I kicked my feet up on the couch, and I was like, oh, hell no. I was like, I need to, I, I need to sit up straight <laughs> because I know I will doze off on this game. This There's not a lot to be cheery about here. But uh, anyway, it's time to get out of here. All right, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter, at HuskerCuzCast. You can catch all of our episodes on Podbean and on iTunes. Again, you can find us on HuskerHype.com. Be sure to go there and check out all the great stuff there. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. We'll be back next Tuesday to recap the Northwestern game and preview Minnesota. So see you then, and as always, go Big Red. Go Big Red. Say bye bye so long, see you later, take it easy, be cool, hang loose.